welcome everybody to Kissing the Cot uh, in our continuing journey to have interesting stories from um, interesting people. We have Jessica Leventhal with us today. Hello, Jessica. Hi there, Janet. Nice to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. I, I, we've known each other for so long, and um, I'm, I've been looking forward to having this conversation with you. Me too. You are the founder and CEO of the Precious Metal <laughs> Summit, which is how I know you. And uh, you've been doing a fabulous job for, what, it has to be 10 years now? Thank you. It is, it's about 11 years. I think in April, it'll be 12 years since the company launched. Yeah. And you've, you've done a fabulous job, and we're not going to talk about all of this, but I just want to kind of do that intro. And you've done a fabulous job creating a forum that really brings together investors and uh, companies. It's a killer schedule, but um, <laughs> it's a fabulous forum. I, and I, how did you get into mining? Well, um, I married a guy, Igor Leventhal, back in Edmonton um, in 1980, and he got into mining in Alberta and was hired into, by a coal mining company. Originally, he had an MBA in finance and an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering. And from coal mining, he got into gold mining with an Edmonton-based company called Echo Bay Mines that had a mine up north in Lupin. And from there on, um, our journey together took us to Toronto, Vancouver, San Francisco, and then to Denver. And here I am. And I've been a mining wife for four decades or over 40 years. And when we were in Denver and the Denver Gold Group was looking for a person to take over from Michelle Ashby to take over the Denver Gold Group operations, the board through Igor's recommendation came to me because I was doing event planning on a large scale for the local um, bar association. So that's, it was just, that was the uh, element that suddenly I found myself in the mid, I went to, uh, as a, almost a lark to an interview to meet with somebody from the Denver Gold Group's board and they liked me and they invited me back for lunch. And I told them, I don't know anything about mining all the time when I've been at, parties or gatherings with mining people. I usually found another spouse to talk about anything other than mining. So I don't know anything about it. And they said, that's okay. You don't have to know much about it. Do you know how to run a conference? I said, yes. Do you know how to market a conference? I said, yes, I do, but I don't know anything about mine finance. And they said, don't worry about that. We can teach you that. I said, oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's how I got into mining. And then the rest was a, a very sharp learning curve, but it's it's been great. And I really do enjoy, um, you know, having a conference for the junior sector for the pre-exploration companies, which were underserved and were, you know, had no real, um, you know, still really have very minimal, rep minimal representation. It's grown. Of course, in the last 10 years, there have been some new conferences that have come on board that are doing one-on-one -on -one meetings, but at the, for, 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 low, for smaller cap companies and earlier stage companies. But in 2011, um, many of them could not get into the Denver Gold Forum, and uh, there was just no real reliable place for a junior company to go where management could meet with investors in one-on-one -on -one meetings. So I'm glad we created it. And uh, it's really, um, uh, I got to say, 
I'm always inspired by the enthusiasm and the love of exploration of the CEOs and teams that we that I get to meet now. And they're really, really um, they're really excited about their projects. And, uh, and that's what makes it so rewarding is to deal with people who are very excited and enthusiastic about where they go, where they're exploring and what they're doing in the local communities in which they work. And um, uh, so I'm very pleased and, and proud to present a lot of terrific junior companies to the world investing community through our conferences. Yeah, you've done an absolutely fabulous job giving these companies their voices. And uh, I know you and I share a a real love of what the the exploration and the mining sector can do for the economies of communities, states, provinces, and countries. And um, I just want you to talk a little bit about what you see as the value that mining brings to to all of these communities and the world. Okay, sure. I'd love to talk about that because it's also the origin story of how I ended up with Igor in Denver. And um, we were living in the San Francisco area when Homestake Mining Company uh, was still in existence. And um, when it was sold to Barrick, we moved to Denver so Igor could join a company called Apex Silver. And it was then, it was then for the first time that he worked for a company that was not producing. Um, and I learned about the world of exploration. And I was very intrigued by the story of the genesis of Apex Silver, which was a project in Bolivia. A famous geologist had made a discovery in a little high altitude area of the country, very, very poor, very third world. And this through the investment and the creation of Apex Silver, the company came into this tiny community. Um, I think it was, it's called San Cristobal. And the mine to this day is operating is now owned by Sumitomo through its wholly owned subsidiary, which is Summit Mining. Who's head, which is headquartered in Colorado. But at the time, San Cristobal was a remote, poor Bolivian village. And Apex Silver found a huge deposit, or it had you know, the rights now to, and it, it permitted and built a mine eventually, which required it moving the town a distance away, which I think was about 10 kilometers away because the town was built over the deposit. And when I learned about what Apex Silver delivered to this community in terms of building up infrastructure so that the town could have, for the first time in its hundreds of years of existence, clean, uh, drinkable water supply from water that was uh, brought in for by Apex, a hospital and a clinic in the local community that had wow. never existed, um, a school and a community center was built. And then they started doing training um, at the community center for young kids, for kids and for young adults that had no real technology access prior to this. So they brought in computers and started doing training and teaching. Um, And what happened is that in the course of the 15 years, the first 15 years from about from the initial investment in about 1995 to 2010, the community of San Cristobal 
developed, um, like it went from being third world to practically as first world as you can get in Bolivia. And the community, rather than living in a subsistence environment, now has, you know, a lot of the people work at the mine or in jobs related to the mine operations there. And it's tr completely transformed the lives of the many members of the local community and, and is creating a sustainable um, economic um, acti activities there that can continue for many generations to come. So that in a nutshell um, made me interested to see where the else this has happened in the world. And as I explored, um, just out of curiosity, reading more about mining history, I realized that mining was the basis for all wealth in ancient history, because whenever you go, you know, to it all began when we ran a Denver Gold Group, uh, Denver Gold Forum back in the same year, approximately 2009, 2010, that we had a huge revival of the King Tut exhibition. And all the artifacts from ancient Egypt were on display at our local Denver Art Museum. And I went through the exhibit now as an adult. I had only seen it as a kid in the past. And I went and I thought to myself, well, that's amazing because the ancient Egyptians got a lot of the visible gold out of the ground. <laughs> They're still mining gold in Egypt today. But when you look at pre-Columbian, when you go into all parts of Mexico and South America and look at their historical museums, in any community, you're going to find gold artifacts and silver artifacts from ancient times. And it just reminds you, yes, this is what their leaders, their kings and, and emperors used to establish like wealth. And um, um, and it was the first precursor, it was the precursor to all money that is used today, the, the, the mining and then the making of coins as it developed. So I, I've just been very struck by how today's mining companies that come from North America and the developed world, such as from um, Europe and the UK and elsewhere, Latin America, come to projects with 21st century technology, 21st century standards of health and environmental stewardship and create environments where people are benefited immediately by um, having water, electricity, indoor plumbing and all the fundamentals that we've taken for granted for so many generations in North America for the first time. Yeah. And this is what mining, mining is usually the first industry that comes into any community. It's usually the first, and then it creates secondary, secondary industries flow, like Colorado itself, you know, Colorado was a frontier when the explorers um, came over for the gold rush in 1858, following the gold rush in California. And it was like, you know, um, it was an out, it was like the backyard of North America, you know, uh, uh, the East Coast was everything to, to America in those days, and the West was the frontier, but um, it was mining that built up Leadville into the largest city west of the Mississippi back in the 1860s because of silver, nickel, and lead, similar to um, San Cristobal in Bolivia, silver, nickel, lead. Um, and uh, so that's why I really admire mining and what the early, the early, like, I, I guess they're called, um, well, the exploration companies, we call them today, the explorers, the first movers in a, in a new region or a new district come in and um, they create future goodness through mm -hmm. their work. Yeah, I know. They, 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 
they're so underappreciated. I, I have a great example while we're talking about Colorado, Telluride. First ACDC electrical plant uh, in, the United, in the world. Uh, Tesla was there. And it was because of the mine. And now they have this fabulous secondary industry because of all the infrastructure that's there. Uh, fabulous uh, tourist destination and ski resort. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's you know, and, and I've lived in a, I had the benefit of living in a mining town um, for five years. 100% uh, employment, um, zero, zero domestic assaults. Um, when the mine was operating, the RCMP was their favorite posting in, in the territory because other than trying to manage some drug issues, it was, it was a fabulous community when everybody's working and all the money's circulating around because it's all families and they're out camping. And, you know, I, I keep hearing so many negative stories about mining, yet we know all the wonderful things that happen because of it. And, and I really, it just, I know you're quite involved in, in trying to educate people on the benefits of mining beyond what you do at work. Correct, actually, yeah, now that you mention it, I do wanna say a few words about a foundation that's been based here in uh, the Denver area, Denver Golden, since 1968, and that's the Colorado Mining Association Education Foundation. Back in 68, a few really, um, really good people from the university and industry, back then there was still a US geological survey that employed a number of geologists and metallurgists in the state. Um, well, a few of them founded this program to teach teachers, K to 12 teachers in the state of Colorado, all about mining and created a course, which was at the time a six week it's unbelievably long, a six-week in-depth course, which teachers signed up with. Well, the, back in those days, there was no, um, life was different. Life was a bit slower, perhaps. And people, if they really wanted to, could take a six-week course. The classes were taught out of campus at the Colorado School of Mines for a number of weeks. And then they toured around Colorado and went to milling, processing, and mining and exploration regions and regions of geological interest of which the state is filled with. And it was a fascinating program, but they shortened it eventually to four weeks. And by the time I joined the board in 2008, um, it was a four week course. And nowadays it's been shortened, it's been shortened. Pre-COVID we shortened it to a seven day program with a big online component. But now we're sort of doing post-COVID, um, a lot of people don't want to take the 25 hours of online instruction, which our program in, in required in the past. So we're, we've created two-day workshops and we just launched uh, the new two-day programs in 2022. And this uh, year in 2023, we hope to actually offer a workshop for teachers in Jefferson County, which is the area west of, Den of West Denver and Golden, as well as in Leadville. And the work of the foundation is very inspiring because teachers come in to learn about mining. Of course, mining is um, a subject that touches on a number of his, a number of subjects that um, are useful in the classroom in elementary school as well as middle and high school. It touches on like kids. Little kids love the rocks and love getting physical with stuff. 
and learning about where rocks come from and what they're made out of. And the um, older, for older students, the history of Colorado and the, or the history of a particular region and its roots in the mining industry and the history of the mining industry are very significant. Plus it even touches on besides, and then there's, you know, science and all sorts of STEM subjects that can have a mining component. So when we take teachers and we, we, we get them through the course, which the foundation, we raise money so that we can pretty much pay for the teachers to go free of charge to take this workshop now. Um, they come away with a totally different attitude about mining when they, when they come in because it's not geared at people in the mining industry. It's just geared at teachers who need credits to get their licensure um, or to be promoted within their profession. They earn educational credits that help them advance to a more senior role with higher pay as a teacher in their school's district. Um, so they come in for that, but they go away having met, having toured and gone on a, a couple, of, at least with the short course, we have a day where we can take them to a couple of nearby mine sites, including the mining. Um, there's, a, there's like a student um, educational mine area the Edgar Mine, I believe it's called, near the Colorado School of Mines. And they go to a couple of other sites and meet some professionals and learn all about um, the teachers see in action, uh, get a glimpse at least of what professionals do at a mining site today. And they're super impressed, as they should be, yeah. by the professionalism of the management teams in place, how committed they are to environmental stewardship, very high standards, and committed to health and safety of the work crew, of all workers at a mine. It's not like the olden days, although there are still mine accidents, unfortunately, and there always will be. It's a very dangerous type of work when you're working with hard rock. And um, uh, just like people who work in electricity, can, you know, there's dangers, there are dangerous jobs, but thank goodness we have men and women willing to work these dangerous jobs because they take things that are essential to our lifestyle, to a first world lifestyle out of the ground and make we make products out of these things. So it's still baffling to me how the message hasn't trickled down into the general population that loves their electric cars and loves their phones and loves their wireless systems like how do you think this stuff operates what what it all uses metal hello conductivity electrical that's copper and all the elements that go into building batteries it's all super essential to our way of life and yet uh, mining is obviously off very much reviled and um and uh get, it receives a lot of um you know hate yeah yeah, a lot of negative press and, and and really stuck in the past. You know, it's stuck in 50 years ago type of uh, uh, perception of it. And uh -huh. my comment to people always is, you know, you know, I can remember in the 60s, my car didn't have a seatbelt. The car you drive, the plane you fly on, everything's changed, as is the mining industry. But but I love what you're doing with All About Mining and the, the education. I did some research once um, and found that grade eight is the grade where you need to reach kids for career decisions and um, exposing them to opportunities 
because mining just isn't geology or engineering. It's accounting, it's, it's human resources, it's metallurgy, it's environmental management, but exposing them in grade eight is where they start to make career choices. Um, so I, I love that you're in the school as, as part of the solution. Thank you. We hope to be, you know, continuing to expand in the coming years um, and getting the message out, not just about um, the mining industry, uh, but also about the opportunities for careers for the students to think about. Because as you, as we all know, in this industry, we are running out of yeah. engineers and the, the enrollment in the universities in mining program, mining programs have shrunk. There's fewer of them than there used to be, fewer colleges that offer mining degrees. And those that have still continue to offer mining degrees have smaller enrollments. So we're going to, we're just at, you know, we need to get more and more great people into this field. And it's high paying. It's very um, interesting. It involves travel. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot. Look, we talk, we meet a lot. You and I meet a lot of people in the mining industry. They don't leave it. They don't even retire. I noticed since I've been living in Denver that nobody really retires. I know. You're having too by, much of a good time. I've been told because, by a geologist that retirement is um, going and looking for rocks with your wife. <laughs> yeah, they always find something else to do in the mining field when they're retired. Um, people just don't want to leave it. And the 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 folks in mining are incredible people. They're authentic. They're uh, friendly caring. I uh, just, you know, I used to be in the legal field before, but I have to say, I love this industry. Yeah. Just like when I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, had to love the oil and gas people. Still do, you know, we have a lot of, we're like cousins, mining and oil and gas. Oh, I, I believe it. I, I'm married to a geologist and our, our idea I found out in, in Colorado weekends is not going for uh, to, the, to the ski resort and, and having brunch. It's it's going over the mountain in a beat up old truck so we can see rocks. <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's, so many geologists and, and people in the industry have asked them, I asked them, how did you get in? And it's not it wasn't a straight path. They, they discovered it almost by accident. Uh -huh. They didn't realize there's there's only five mining schools in the United States. Five. That's it. School of Mining in Colorado, South Dakota. I can't remember the others, but Michigan Tech. Yeah. There's one in Minnesota. There used to be. Yeah. Um, what else? Know. Oh, U of A, University of Arizona. Yep. Yep. Um, is, is UTEP one? I don't know if UTEP is one in El Paso, but it was the president of the South Dakota School of Mines who told me there's only five left. And he's on a real push to do a lot more um, awareness building out of South Dakota as well, because it's 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 the future of these these rural communities. So what and I had a great conversation with Dave Cole from EMX when, mm -hmm, when I was at mm -hmm. Creek and I asked Dave, and I ask everyone, how did you end up in the industry? And he went to Fort Lewis in Durango. And I said, why does Fort Lewis produce so many great geologists? And he said, there's a natural lab and it's called Colorado. And every weekend you go out into it and you just get better and better. Yeah. And, and so I love what you're doing in the school system because it's bringing people to the natural lab, right? It is. And we've got to spread, but we've got to, you know, 
uh, be spreading the word more and more. But it's a it is a wonderful natural lab, and and um, these geo that's what's so wonderful about geologists. I mean, the childhood fascination with rocks, um, yeah. uh, and and then and then they don't outgrow it. They just don't outgrow it. I mean, they just want to keep going and looking for more rocks mm -hmm. all through life. So I think good for you, geologists, and um, good for your enthusiasm carrying you through. And Janet, I want to wish you all the best with your podcast. I think it's great that you're going to get more stories out about mining to the general community. And if we could just, you know, keep a moment, get some momentum going with other organizations and messaging, my dream is for one day to to have see somebody produce a popular television series that draws in all the history and all the cultural diversity of the global world of mining. If we could just, and then make mining cool again. We got to make mining cool again. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in Zurich when uh, you have your, your Zurich summit in November. Mm -hmm. And we should continue our conversation then. I'd love to do that. Yeah, it's been great seeing you again. And um, I love working with you and, and Misha and all of your team. Uh, you've got a fabulous, fabulous thing going on. And, and uh, we'll talk again. Uh -huh. We'll talk uh -huh. about what we can do to help get the message out about this fabulous industry we work in. I look forward to that conversation, Janet. And I really appreciate you talking with me today. Look oh. forward to seeing you very soon in Zurich. Safe travels, and I'll see you there. You Thanks, too. everybody, for joining us, and we'll be back with Jessica in a few weeks.